I had a very strange childhood. I had the worst case any doctor had ever seen. My job is to keep healing. So that is the story. We all have remarkable stories within us. Stories of adversity, challenges, triumphs, and ultimately of healing. This is Your Health, Your Story, the podcast. I'd like to start this episode by posing the question of what does diet and food mean to you? And what's your relationship with it like? Honestly, how many of us these days have the time to prepare every single meal with fresh ingredients and cook something delicious and truly nutritious? And you shouldn't feel bad if you don't cook. According to a Nielsen study, the total of money spent on eating out has risen 94% since 2003. Want to hear something even more alarming? The average dinner time 60 years ago was 90 minutes. Today, it's just 12. I think you could say that for most of us, our relationship with food has greatly soured, and it's a reason we're sicker than ever. One person that really knows something about the detrimental effects of a poor relationship with food is Erica Weisenborn. She got into nutrition after being very ill as a teenager and young adult, and her appreciation for food blossomed as she was able to heal herself with it. It continued that she started a company to address the problem many have with food, taking the idea of meal service to a whole new level. This is a story of fresh in your fridge. Enjoy. You sent over some stuff before we got started. One of the things that hit me was that you grew up in a place that I consider one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I I say that, you know, totally honestly, because I think the West coast of Canada, you said just North of Vancouver, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, It it really is an awesome place. Um, So tell me, because you grew up there and before you even started the company that we're going to get into, which is why you're on the show and and really interesting, um, what was it like? What was your childhood like growing up there? And and what were some of the things, uh, you know, you experienced that led you into what you're doing now? Yeah. You know, I think the older you get, you start to see your life path, like it all, every, everything fits together. And the reason you've done certain things, like it, it does go back to childhood. So growing up on the Sunshine Coast, have you been there specifically? I haven't actually been to the Sunshine Coast per se, but, but I've spent a lot area. of times in Vancouver. Yeah, Whistler. Yeah. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Yeah. So just for those who are listening, it's like a little peninsula that you have to take a ferry to from West Vancouver. Um, and growing up there was, I mean, I didn't know anything different. So at the time I took it all for granted, but it it was beautiful. We spent a lot of time outside. Um, and I think there was sort of more of a, a, people call it crunchy or granola type communities. So more of, uh, yeah, I kind of like, like it wasn't like, super, super hippie, but it sort of had that vibe more natural. There was more organics being talked about, which I think was quite foreign at that time still. Um, and my mom kind of grew up in the, in the, uh, diet for a small planet era. So we ate lots of vegetarian and lots of home cooking and all of those types of things. So I think that, yeah, really sort of played into just having that as like an underpinning of my belief system, even as a kid. Right. Yeah. And we also got into lots of trouble too, <laughs> living out there. I can imagine it goes hand yeah. in hand when lots you live in nature, you still <laughs> get in trouble. It's not like totally. you're, you're this no. uh, perfect. I think we got in more trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you grew up there, but you also, you said that you had some um, illnesses and, and basically some struggles as a child, yeah. even in this natural environment. So could you go into that a little bit more? 
Yeah, for sure. So in hindsight, you know, I think a, a big part of it was probably just going into puberty and um, all the changes that are happening in your body then, but it felt like it felt like more than that. And it did continue through my teenagehood. I had a lot of digestive distress, um, to the point where it was very much, um, just got in the way of life living mm-hmm. a normal sort of teenage life and a lot of anxiety, like very, very high anxiety. And luckily I had a mother who was very supportive and very sort of interested in natural healing, but I didn't, we just didn't have, I don't know, like it wasn't, it wasn't the done thing really to like go see a naturopath or like really dive into it. So I did go to the health food store and we did little things, but for the most part, I feel like through those years, which were really hard for me as a young person, um, I did get to know my body so much better. And I started working on my nutrition before I knew anything about nutrition. Mm -hmm. Like I, I didn't know anything. And I, I just knew what worked for me and that I needed to pay attention to that. So while my friends were out, you know, drinking beer and eating pizza, I was like trying to fit in, but sort of making sure that I had what I needed. Um, and, and that's what got me interested in everything. So. And you went on from there and mm-hmm. obviously you started feeling better after looking into your nutrition. You started to study that more. You went on to study at University of British Columbia, I understand, Institute of Holistic Nutrition. Yeah. Um, that, that's an interesting term in itself, right? Holistic nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, can you go into that and describe what does that mean and how does it differ from just the standard nutritional practices? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, it's still one of those terms I think that isn't very readily understood. Um, I mean, very simply, like I think it, I listened to your uh, first podcast a couple of days ago and you described sort of more um, naturopathic medicine and more alternative medicine. And, and it's very similar, like traditional nutrition would look at calories in calories Mm -hmm. out, you know, certain, uh, recommended dietary, um, levels of like fiber and, you know, making sure you have all these sort of standardized levels, whereas holistic nutrition, um, it doesn't have a super well-defined sort of scope, but it might take into consideration Ayurvedic medicine or traditional Chinese medicine or um, any other healing modalities. But sort of the underlying belief is, you know, looking at the body as a whole. And uh, even though someone's experiencing something with their nutrition that might not be optimal, there's so much, so many other factors that play into it. So. Absolutely. And and if you heard in that, um, the first podcast with my co-founder mm-hmm. went into how so many people do look at gut health and focus on that. And yeah. I kind of made the case that of course it's important, but gut health is aligned with health overall, your whole body. Totally. You can't totally. separate the gut. You can't separate yeah. nutrition as one part, you know, it's, it's all interconnected. And I think that's sure. the beautiful thing you're using food and nutrition uh, healing the whole body, mind, body, and spirit as well. Um, and you've been doing this for a little while now. And, and I know that many patients that try to get into nutrition and cooking have a very hard time doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, they see nutrition more as what is the best 
I would say, um, item on a shelf that's in a box that's ready made and ready to go. Um, and this is going to probably lead into why you even started fresh in your fridge. But tell me, totally. what does cooking at home mean to you? Oh, cooking at home to me, um, yeah, I, I love it. It's so ingrained in, in my day to day and, and it's sort of, you know, sometimes I think of it as work or I think of it as, um, a chore, but it, it's really a, a beautiful way to nourish myself and nourish those around me. And it, I think it's very ingrained in me. Like it's sort of that nurturing side of me that, um, yeah, it, it, it's like, it's in my DNA, you know, that I, I, I have to do that. But when it comes down to it, cooking at home, I forget who said this. It may have been Jamie Oliver, but he said, um, anything you make yourself is going to be like 10 times healthier than something you get out or get at the store or get in a box. Even if it's like lasagna or chocolate chip cookies or something that is traditionally sort of unhealthy. It's like, just because you're making it at home, it's so much better for you. So I think that's really what it comes down to with yeah. home cooking and why it's so important. Uh, I, I love that because I think anything you create yourself, you're putting a certain energy of yourself into it. And then if you could take that back in and nourish yourself, it's <laughs> like you've imbued a certain amount of love. They say, oh, of course, when you're cooking, you know, that, that love goes into it of a mother feeding her child or even anyone cooking totally. something. It's an art form and that's a love, that's a passion for it. And I totally. think that comes out the other end and absolutely is something that influences the end products, right? Of what you're finally eating and nourishment is, you know, what keeps us alive. It's what gives For us sure. energy. It's so important. Yeah. And even just things like, you know, the, the love part aside, and we actually kind of put that in our marketing is like each of our meals is really made with love because it's, it's made specifically for you. Um, but aside from that, also like cooking at home, even if you're using, butter, you're using sugar, you're using, um, chocolate chips, all of those types of things that are again, traditionally sort of unhealthy. It's still better than having high glucose corn syrup and some sort of modified like oil. And so, you know, like all the additives and preservatives that are used in, um, more bulk or, uh, like boxed cooking items. So yeah, when it comes down to it, like, even if you're not making the most top notch healthy foods, it's still, there's, there's still an element of quality. For sure. And I think a lot of people like to vilify certain items, right. And, and yes. certain, uh, you know, what should I be eating? And Oh my God, this has gluten or this has carbs. When if okay. you do it with love and you eat it with love as well, you know, and gratitude, I think it's so much better than having that restricted um, diet where we're vilifying things. Um, you know, to go on with that whole idea of cooking, why, why have people in general uh, suddenly ha gone into this bad relationship, I would say, with cooking um, and even food in general? Like I just said, you have a lot of negative connotation. You have a lot of opinions out there going around what's right, what's wrong. And I think it's taken people out of the kitchen and into mm -hmm. grocery stores and other places. Mm -hmm. What do you think led to that poor relationship we now have with our food and cooking? Yeah, there's many factors, of course. Um, one is, well, I live in a city. I live in Vancouver. Uh, so a big piece of that is 
people focusing on their careers, being really busy, not necessarily making the time for cooking. And I think another piece of it is that when someone thinks of cooking for themselves, it becomes this sort of over-complex, complicated um, job that, you know, it's like, oh, I I have to be cooking like, oh, she glows, or I have to be making these recipes that take hours and hours when it could be as simple as like steaming some broccoli and cooking some quinoa and frying up some, I don't know, tofu or salmon or something like that, that could really take just about as quick as your Uber Eats or DoorDash (laughs) to come to your house. Right. So, um, yeah. And, And then I also think about our sort of parents era and I think a lot of them actually became disconnected from cooking because of that was sort of when the convenience type foods started to come in. And so that sort of trickled down into uh, the, the folks that are supposed to be in the kitchen now. It's like they, they're maybe a little bit more disconnected from just easy traditional cooking. That's a good answer because I, I do believe that, uh, you know, as we've moved away from that traditional family lifestyle and, you know, always cooking everything and we made it so convenient to mm-hmm. just get something and, and call it food and ingest it that we've, we've changed our whole relationship with it. And I think that's Definitely. led to a lot of disease and a lot of, uh, you know, unhealthy habits. Now, an, an interesting fact about you, you spent some time in Eastern Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, what did that teach you about holistic nutrition? Yeah, so I went to, I lived in Uganda as part of my time at uh, the University of British Columbia. Um, I did, I specialized in international nutrition at that time. And um, yeah, you know, it's interesting being out there. We were working with a population that doesn't have a lot of resources and we were working on very sort of basic nutrition um, with that population. And the thing that I saw most was more in like the, the family that I was living with and, and in some of the people that I was working with at the organization and really how much packaged foods and um, sort of that Western influence is negatively affecting populations because they're still sort of looking at uh, wanting to adopt a lot of our habits and the products that we have. And so there's sort of this disconnect in when, at least when I was there 10 years ago, um, between, uh, part of the population is really struggling, doesn't have enough food, doesn't have proper food. And then the, the other side is like kids are starting to become obese, starting to develop, um, diabetes, et cetera, because, there isn't education around sugar and, and, you know, Oreos and all of these packaged foods are looked at as sort of, uh, very coveted or like, you know, cool or whatever. So that, I think that'll be the really challenging thing as, um, those countries continue to develop and, and hopefully they don't look at, at, um, America in that way where they're, you know, trying to take on those habits cause they're not great. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, the Westernized world, when it creeps into other places, you have Westernized yeah. diseases, right? As they call yes. them, we have diabetes, yeah. uh, hypertension, and a whole host of really chronic conditions that you didn't see 
before they were around. And when you had a more traditional lifestyle, I would say, in as far as even diet cooking, spending the time to go every day to pick your food and cook it, eat as a family, you didn't have those. And I spent a month also in in Southern uh, Africa on the Eastern Shore. And um, it's true. When you go into some of those cities, you see a lot of those boxes and you see like the Popeye's there and KFC's coming and in. And it's like the worst stuff too. Like, oh, it's, yeah, not yeah, like yeah. it's not like decently packaged food. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it is terrible. But then when you go yeah. in the rural areas outside of that, people are still yeah. picking their own, their own, they're still, uh, you know, harvesting their own foods. They're still cooking as families. Totally. You don't see that much disease. You mm-hmm. do see sometimes famine and other things that must be addressed. But uh, as far as those chronic conditions. Not the lifestyle diseases. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, very no, much so. Not. Yeah. So, you know, you experienced all of that. You, you have this background in holistic nutrition. What finally led you five years ago to start this really cool endeavor fresh in your fridge? Uh, and you could also explain what that is because I know the food service, uh, you know, whole market is a booming one, but it's also a crowded one but you were able to differentiate it. So can you take us into what led you to start this company? For sure. I wish I had some like grandiose vision of, you know, people always say like, wow, you must've been so passionate about (laughs) cooking or something like that. But, um, I I really feel like the universe or whatever you want to call it was like shoving this on me. And I kept being like, "No, no, no, no. And eventually I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. Um, so after I finished, university and college, I, um, I, I had this sort of entrepreneurial, uh, it was, it was, it was also in my DNA. My, my mom has always had her own business. And, and I think that was just sort of running in the back of my head. And so I wanted to start a nutritional practice and work with naturopaths. And that's what I did for a good couple of years of, of working in more of a clinical setting. Um, and I had some friends who had asked me to just help them with food. Like it was like the food kept coming to me versus more of the education and support in that capacity, if that makes sense. Like people were like, Oh, can you actually come in and help me, you know, cooking, making, um, doing cooking lessons or, uh, come in and make the food for me. So I was kind of doing that on the side as like, okay, like trying, you know, round out the, uh, self-employment mm-hmm. in the early years, trying to make rent that way. So I was like, okay. And then this food aspect just kept growing and growing and growing and kind of pushing out the clinical aspect for me a little bit, um, to the point where I couldn't take on any more food work. And, and, uh, it was a, a good friend of mine who sort of partnered with me in the very beginning and, and helped me, uh, develop the idea of fresh in your fridge that said, you got to hire some people. Like this is clearly what you got to go with the demand. Like this is what people are wanting. So that was five years ago. Um, and yeah, so now I have a team of 15 and, and we're cooking all over Vancouver and the lower mainland. And could you go into that more about how you differentiate from yeah. Blue Apron and everything? And of course, there's the cooking part, but there's a broader aspect of selecting fresh foods, right? Going in, cooking in mm-hmm. the person's apartment, leaving it there freshly. That takes it to another level in my mind, and I think it's really cool. So could you share that? Yeah, yeah it's pretty neat. So essentially, we, we act like personal chefs in a sense, um, but we, we usually come into our clients' homes once a week versus like every day. So we're not for like the super elite. Uh, we're more for, you know, people that are, are 
wanting good food, don't necessarily have the time to cook, um, don't have the knowledge of how to take on a therapeutic diet or food sensitivities or something like that. Um, but you know, they, they can't also afford a personal chef to come in every day and, and cook their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so yeah, the way that we work is, uh, everyone on the team is a holistic nutritionist. So they, um, have a, a year long training in food, nutrition, some culinary arts. Most of them are trained chefs as well. And we do a full intake with our clients. So we, you know, get all of their dietary information. Maybe they've been to um, a naturopathic doctor or a, a conventional doctor that's um, prescribed them some sort of diet to work on their gut or their health in some way, and they don't know how to take it on. Um, so then we're able to make a meal plan for them. We go do all the grocery shopping, and then we come into their home for one day of the week, usually about three to five hours, do a bunch of prep cooking, um, and then leave everything in their fridge and freezer for them to have throughout the week. And is that usually, um, uh, dinner or is it a few meals a day? How's that work? It really depends on our clients. Uh, for an individual, we usually make lunch and dinner throughout the work week for families. Usually it's dinners and some like snacks for the kids. We customize everything in that capacity as well. We have five different price points that we sort of try to fit each of our clients into. Um, but most people get dinners. That's where people typically want the most help. And then snacks, breakfast, lunch or kind of, it really depends on, on who we're working with. Um, and the, and you mentioned, you know, blue apron and all of those services. Of course we have different ones here in Vancouver, but there's so many of them. Like I, I really can't keep track and I don't really see them as competition. I see it as a support for us because we do things so differently. We don't do any delivery. We don't do any standard cooking. Everything is, you know, for the client. Like each of our clients is very, uh, well looked after in a very customized way. So it's actually helped our business. I think, cause you know, people try something like the fresh prep or whichever, and then, um, it doesn't work for them or they're not able to customize enough. And then they'll, they'll look for us. Um, and the other thing that, that I'm really proud of is, uh, a lot of those services rely heavily on plastics, mm-hmm. um, to, to wrap all the foods and, and, you know, some of them are recyclable, but none of them are reusable. And we are able to eliminate, you know, 95% of that. And that's so, huge because I was recently yeah. at a food tank event and blue apron was there and, and really they, they're very much so in the logistics uh, you know, side mm-hmm. of things, right? Not totally. the food yeah. as much as getting it there and shipping things and, you know, they're trying to be eco-friendly, but it's very hard. You're, you're shipping things across the country sometimes. Uh, you know, you got to use a lot of different uh, substances, keep it cold to do that. So having this is, is, is actually a, a much better model, I have to say. And I love that. I read that you're bridging the gap between personal chef and nutritionist which is a wonderful thing. So it is a Mm -hmm. totally different market than most of what's out there. Um, Mm -hmm. You're a nutritionist, you're cooking all the time. Is there a favorite diet that you go, because ketogenic, intermittent fasting, you know, all of that is out there. Lots of different ideas and opinions. Do you focus at all on any singular diet or is it more about the quality? 
myself personally or in in the business but let's go both personally first and then in the business okay so in the business we focus on i would say overall a anti-inflammatory type diet so we when we're talking to our clients right off the bat we don't say it's all gluten-free and it's all dairy-free but we say we use very little of those things and, and, and that's where we look for their guidance. So most people are avoiding one of one or the other of those for, you know, either they can't digest the lactose or they feel better when they're not eating gluten or whichever. So we work with that. We don't use any refined sugars. Um, so we're sweetening things with honey or dates or coconut sugar or something like that. And then the animal products that we use, if we use them are very high quality. So I would say it's sort of, yeah, I would say it's anti-inflammatory. Um, I used to say sort of like a modified paleo almost, but we do use lots of grains for a lot of our clients and we have such a gamut of, um, diets, like everything from more raw and vegan to like ketogenic and lots of FODMAPs and lots of, um, gluten-free and sort of everything in between. So standardly anti-inflammatory, but we can modify that in, in any way. Got it. Got it. And are you looking yeah. seasonally as well? You know, what's in season versus and local, um, is that, uh, incorporated into the model? Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially in the, in the vegetable department and right. some of the fish, like sometimes, you know, we, we lay out our menus for our clients, but sometimes we'll do sort of like, what's, what's the freshest fish at the fish store <laughs> we'll get yeah. for you. And, and especially when we know our clients a bit better, we know their tastes and preferences and we'll be okay with that. And I have to say that's really cool because a lot of the patients we speak to are already inundated with too much information for them to go in and then understand, sure, this is seasonal, but which one, which one is freshest, you know, all these things, that's very difficult. And that's very important. You can't just choose anything and think it's going to be the freshest or it's going to have the most nutritional value. You have to be educated in these things. Totally. It becomes uh, very overwhelming. It does, right? And I think that's one of the things that stops people from cooking, eating well, or even taking action to take control of their health in a way where they're responsible. It's very easy to take a pill when you're overwhelmed. Just say, all right, symptoms subside. We're good. I don't need to be overwhelmed with what to eat, how to cook, spend more time on this. But it's critically important because health is so, you know, vital for us. So totally. I think that's very cool that you're doing going in and and taking that off their plate because they already have such little energy. It should really be towards healing, just taking in the nutrition, focusing on themselves. So I applaud yeah. you for that. If I might interject, I yeah, um, I had during my whole health journey uh it was when i was around 21 that things kind of became it was kind of like like i hit rock bottom in some ways and that's when i really dove into naturopathic medicine and and etc etc and i did a food sensitivity panel and found out i was allergic to everything i was eating essentially and i remember and this i'd already i already had a nutrition degree um mind you it was more standard classic nutrition it wasn't holistic but um you know i was definitely in the food world and i remember going to whole foods and i started i broke down like i started crying in the in the aisle because i didn't i i didn't know what to eat and i just had no idea so i can imagine you know for 
the lay person, let's say, um, just how conflicting that would be, especially if you have a family, right. And, oh, yeah. and trying to feed everyone. So you brought up food allergies and that's becoming a bigger and bigger issue. Sensitivities, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. and now you have celiac and gluten and so many things that are coming about. And I think more children than ever have some sort of food allergy and it's, it's almost out of control. What are your personal thoughts on what can contribute to food allergies? I really believe it's from um, a couple different things. Eating foods that are modified, like a mm-hmm. common question I get is, you know, is gluten bad? Is dairy bad? Is soy bad? And my honest answer is like in its purest form, no. And anything that comes from nature, I, I don't think is bad. Um, but if we're eating it excessively and if we're eating it in a way where the body doesn't understand it, then of course our body, our body's just going to kind of, eh, wait, what's this? Like, I, I don't quite know what's going on here. So I believe that's why our body develops allergies to or sensitivities at least, or aversions to certain things. Um, and then also e- eating things in a rush and eating things when you're emotionally distraught or having a poor relationship food from more poor relationship with food from more of a body image or societal sense, um, can also, yeah, just like we're, we're always, um, we're always telling our body what to do. And and I think if we're eating in that state, it's not, uh, not good. So Yeah. yeah, it's very common. Agreed. And and I love that you brought that up because I, I was just speaking with a doctor not long ago and kind of going into this about why, because of course the, the food supply has changed greatly, mm-hmm. but um, uh, you know, it has to be something more. And I think, it, and this is something we discussed was the dynamic of what the dinner table even looks like anymore. For right. most children, it's the couch and the TV on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's even with stressful things on, violent things, everything like that, that can trigger an emotional response while you're eating a substance that a child then associates with a you know traumatic almost experience. So next time they have that substance, they trigger a response that is an allergic response. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it was, it was an interesting talk and it was one of those because I look at, you know, my friends with children, my brother, others, and, and how they eat. And many of them are on the run or doing some, or sometimes there's yelling going on or the parents have a fight and you right. can see the child having a reaction while he's eating something. Mm, yeah. And that, that can actually lead to it because so many children at certain ages, it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, um, and, yeah. it, and it's never out of nowhere. The human body is amazing at compensating and then being able to take in all these things. But, um, you know, I, I think it's what you said. It's, it's the actual food supply. The things we're eating, of course, aren't the same, but it's also yeah. how we're doing it and not to sit there in a peaceful environment, TV off, you know, appreciating the food, chewing slowly. Chewing, that's a big right? one. Chewing's that's a big, big one. one. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. something, and- yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with the Viva Mare diet. Um, but basically it's, it's this Austrian, um, uh, doctor that started it. And part of it is that you have to chew your food like 30 to 50. It has to be complete mush before you even take a swallow. So you're chewing for like a minute and people find it crazy, but it's true. That's your first point of digestion. 
And if you take like just two bites and swallow the whole thing, you're asking too much. Got a much. lot more right? work to do down there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So, so, so much of it is, is how you eat. And I think what something like fresh in your fridge is doing is giving you the time back to actually enjoy the food. Right. Because yes. a lot of times yeah, exactly. you're going to be working long hours. We work more than we ever had. We're stressed mm-hmm. more than we ever have. We get back, mm-hmm. we cook, and then we got to eat that fast before we have to do the next thing. So totally. even when we do cook, we're, we're losing the time. We're eating it wrong. So that's pretty cool that, that you're able to give people actually their time back. What's- yeah, we've had a couple really wonderful testimonials from families that have just said like, oh, I can like take my kids to the park after work now and, and spend time with them and it's not this mad dash. So that's been really rewarding for me. I can imagine. What's mm-hmm. a common myth that you hear about meal prep? Mm, a common myth, meaning when people are prepping their own food or... I, I would say, let's stick to, to your, that it's maybe too expensive, that, you know, it, it can't be done where I'll eat it and it isn't fresh. What, you know, what would you say, like people, what is some of the pushback maybe you've heard from this? Um, I don't know if this is a myth per se, but I feel like a lot of folks will equate meal prep, like they'll look at a service like ours or any of the other delivery services and they'll say, well, that's around the similar price to like doing DoorDash or, um, Uber Eats, or I'm not sure what the services there are for you, but I'm sure similar. And, and so not really understanding the difference in, in quality Mm. of prepping that food for yourself or having someone else prep it for you or whichever is accessible for you versus, you know, you can still get the sandwich for $7 or, or whatever. So it's like less than what you'd be paying to prep your own food or have someone else do it for you. But really like even in higher end restaurants, the quality of oils, the quality of sugars, the preservatives that are used, like it may even look like something that's sort of healthy, but it never equates to having something prepped and, and I think ready and it might not be as exciting either. Um, but it, it like the quality is so much better if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I all say quality determines results all across yep. the board. doesn't matter yep. if it's a uh, medicine or your TV, right? The quality of the picture you're watching or right? that that's going to change your experience of watching it. Totally. Totally. Uh, you know, one of the things we tell patients, uh, and I say we, I mean medical center, the doctors I work yes. with all yeah. over, um, uh, is that you have to watch how you use your leftovers. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people, right? Because a lot of people cook things and they cook it for the week, let's say, mm-hmm. and they leave it out maybe a little while. They put it in the fridge, they reheat it, put it back, reheat it, put it back. And we know that there are so many things that can go wrong with that as far as pathogens. Yeah. Bacteria can go, grow quite quickly. And we do actually try and tell patients not to, you know, use leftovers after 24 hours or so. Definitely don't, you know, microwave, reheat, then put back in the fridge, go back and forth, right? What would you say is, um, you know, your opinion on that, of course, and how does freshening your fridge go about that? Because you're coming in once a week cooking this, and then that's your week's worth of food. Um, so what's your take on that? I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. It, it is something that we struggle with a little bit. It's, um, you know, it's not a perfect system. And for clients that are working 
more on a therapeutic diet or are really watching their levels of mold or bacteria or, you know, just reducing histamines or anything like that, um, we will take extra precautions. So we'll freeze most of their meals. It's an extra step for them. They then have to defrost it and, you know, heat it up, but we'd also individually portion it. So it's like, they're only taking that out. They're only warming that up and then they're having it. Um, and then other than that, we, we kind of give a shelf life of, of three days for like more standardized clients. So either we're helping them for three days plus frozen meals, or we're coming in twice a week for, for clients that want more of a, a full spectrum. Um, yeah, it's, it's not perfect. You know, it's like, I wish we could come in every meal right. and, and cook for our clients. But again, we're, we're not trying to, uh, hit that clientele necessarily. We're, we're looking for people that, you know, need something that's a little more, more accessible and affordable. Um, so those are the things that we use. We use freezing, we use, um, yep. you know, trying to, trying to package the food really properly and, and packaging them individually. So they're not needing to reheat and then put back and all of those types of things. And I'm sure some of our clients don't do that perfectly, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Well, listen, in a perfect world, everyone would have the time and ability to cook, you know, fresh things every day and sit around and lovingly say grace and eat that. But you're right, it's not a perfect world. We all live in a, in a pretty hectic world. And um, I think it's, it's a great step towards getting to a much better place with your service and, and doing that and, and getting that into their homes and eating that way. So, totally what are some of your favorite cooking or even let's say cooking health products that you could share with the audience so that they have something. And honestly, you could go off the bat here and get out of cooking and say, this is something I love to use for health. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of at an interesting, I was thinking, you know, when you asked me to do this podcast, I obviously am trained in nutrition. I was a clinical nutritionist for many years and I've worked on so many things for myself. So, you know, supplements and all these like alternative health products were very much um, a huge part of my life. And recently my health has been very good. My digestion is very good. And I've gotten more into like the culinary aspect of cooking versus um, like the super alternate, you know, more alternative, more raw foods, more paleo type things. So I'm actually at this point where I am eating gluten. I am eating dairy. I'm kind of eating a whole gamut and I'm just really amazed at the quality and how that makes such a difference. And like, and how I feel okay when I'm eating, um, all of these things that are sort of more traditionally, uh, shunned or looked down upon in my, in my world at least. Um, but if you're doing them in a way that's very mindful and very, um, yeah, just using really high quality that it makes such a difference, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll give you two different realms when it comes to cooking and more of the culinary aspect. Um, I love a book called The Food Lab by mm -hmm. Kenji Lopez-Alt. Do you know that book? I'm not familiar now, but okay, I have like, to look into that now. Yeah, it's like a Bible. Uh, okay. It's huge. It's like, it, it's, it's massive. It's like 700 pages or oh, something. Wow. And it's like all like great, like culinary science. Mm -hmm. And he just has amazing recipes around. Like he's just so obsessed with how to cook. 
um, and the sort of the science and the art of cooking. So I'm getting more into that side of things. I also, of course, love uh, salt, fat, acid, heat by uh, Sam. I don't know how to pronounce her name, Sam in Nozerat. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've seen the, yep. the Netflix, she uses lots of salt, she uses lots of butter. So, you know, maybe not traditionally holistic, but it's like, I, I, I'm someone who's actually um, been really restricted in what I can eat for so long. So I'm very much enjoying feeling good, eating very good quality food and playing around uh, with that. Cool. Yeah. No, and thanks. then from... And then from a health perspective, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't been doing as many supplements and all of that as of late, just because I've been on a, a good health path in the past couple of years. But just as a reminder for people, I'm, I'm always so amazed by the power of tinctures um, mm. and uh, have been using those more recently, both for digestion and, um, uh, I've been using licorice for adrenals and, and, you know, a part of me sort of will dismiss something like that. Cause it's, uh, it just seems so simple, but I always find such amazing results from, from doing tinctures. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost like the essence of natural things that you could mm-hmm. apply, and nature does give us everything. You know, I always state that it, you know, oh, what is it, seventy, eighty percent of all pharmaceutical drugs are derived first and foremost from plant constituents. So you know, it Absolutely. always comes from nature. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like a hot tip I had from one of my herbal medicine instructors. But if I I do this at night a lot, if you're making a tea, like an herbal tea, yeah. and then you put tincture in it it gives it like, it almost tastes like a cocktail. <laughs> like, oh yeah. You know, like, tiny, like it's like stronger and it has that little tiny bit of, of alcohol just for, to, sure, to bring out sure. the herb. And it's like, I like, I have that at night and it's kind of like a nice, like, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that is a good tip. You know, we're yeah. not advising you drink every night, but we are no. advising ways to pretend like you are basically mimic it. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I wanted to backtrack a little bit because you are saying now you're eating kind of all over the game, mm-hmm. but before when you were ill, you couldn't, right? It, yes. it just wasn't yeah. something you could do. I'm sure a lot of patients who may be struggling, so many, you know, even patients who aren't looking for medical treatment are struggling with GI symptoms now, yes. whether it's SIBO or just, you know, some kind of inflammation, gastritis, even little things that aren't necessarily chronic conditions that you go in for real medical yep. treatment, but it's, it's, again, it's something that I see almost everyone struggles with. What were your tips to get from where you were very restricted to where you are now? Is there something you could look back on and be like, uh, you know, start here, do this and, and you'll be here. You could end up like me. Yeah. I mean, do I know the, the absolute science of everything? No, but in my experience, um, I did, I, I didn't half ass it, you mm-hmm. know, like I really, I, I knew what I had to cut out. I knew how I had to eat. And I really did that for like two and a half years. And of course I was doing many other things before that. And after that, but it was like, I really did feel like I, um, reset my, uh, like the food sensitivities and my digestion of like really committing to like one of the things I couldn't eat was, was garlic Mm -hmm. as an example. Um, and why that was, I don't know, but, um, it, it, like I really worked, I really stuck with it. 
And I, I really do believe like that's why I'm, I'm not affected by those things now because our body can reset and it can heal itself. And, and, um, if we're kind of like, Oh, I shouldn't have that, but like, I'll have it once in a while. It doesn't quite work in the same <laughs> way. I don't believe. Um, so, you know, as challenging as, as it is. And of course I was in a bit of a dire situation. So for those who, who, don't aren't as affected by it. I can see it would be challenging to be so rigorous with something like that, but I really do believe that was a big part of how I, I healed myself. And then the emotional gamut is, of course is a, a whole other um, ball game, which is also, I think very, very important in digestive health. Oh, absolutely. That, that gut brain, uh, you know, the connection there is, is so, you know, interesting to me. Yes. And yes. how do you think food impacts mood and perspective? Mood and perspective. Um, well, I mean, mood is so obvious, isn't yeah. it? Like yeah. I, I still, if I'm, if I don't, if I have dinner late, it's like all of a sudden I'm like, <laughs> it's like yeah. blood sugar stuff still going on. Right. So, um, I think it's really important for people to tap into, like start to become more aware of how food does affect them. Cause it's different for everyone. But if you know, you're relying on caffeine or you're relying on refined foods to feel better in that moment, how does that make you feel later in the day? Um, it's, it's incredible how it affects it. And, and that's only on a day-to-day -day level. If we right. look at more long-term and we're looking at brain chemistry and all of those things, it's, it's incredible, right? The yeah. anxiety that can come up and, and depression and different things like that. So, um, yeah, on a day-to-day -day level, it mm -hmm. definitely affects. And then long-term we're creating issues if we're eating refined products continually. And what was the other part of your question you asked? You said, oh, food and or mood and perspective. Perspective as well. Yeah. What do you mean by perspective? I mean, just your perspective on things. I see a lot of people that eat poorly and I think it affects, I mean, mood and perspective are so interlinked, but it affects how um, they're even seeing certain things like their purpose, other things, you become a little bit depressed because of food. And I even saw sure. a recent study that was showing certain probiotic strains are directly related to depression. So if you're yeah. low in certain strains of what's in your gut flora microbiome, then you're more prone to depressive states. And if you had a more healthy soil in your you know, gut health in that terrain, then you usually have a better attitude and a better yeah. attitude leads to a better perspective on life and even more positivity. Yeah. And that just triggers a whole, you know, array of positive reactions within the body. Absolutely. Um, something else I wanted to say about perspective, and this is not my thought and I wish I knew it was who it who it was from, but it really landed for me was a lot of folks are trying to, uh, get healthy and be healthy, but they're also have this weight loss component. Mm. And those are conflicting all of the time. Cause it's like, I'm trying to eat healthy, but then I'm trying to do this weight. And it's like, almost like these two, like balls that they're trying to juggle. Yep. And the idea that I heard was like, you need to focus on, you can't do both at the same time. Naturally they happen at the same time, but it's like, just focus on health first. Right. Yeah. And then, and then 
maybe do that afterwards. But if that makes sense from the perspective component, like that's what I really see is sort of like, well, should I, you know, be eating these things that are, um, healthier for me, but they're high in calories or something like that. Like it's sort of these, like, it's like so many conflicting, um, messages and perspectives and goals. It's like, just do one, just do one goal at a time sort of. And, and the rest will fall away. Maybe you can focus on weight more specifically afterwards. But I think like, like it's so important to be healthy before you try to work on. on Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, I'm happy you said that because so many patients out there, they kind of place you, like you said, weight loss is part of their healing, but it's really not because it's shifting their priority of what they need to be yeah. doing. Right. And I think yeah. what you said before, it's, it's, it's about priority and patience that got you to where you are and, and has helped you now be able to get past any health issues and eat naturally and everything. So I think yeah. it's really awesome that you brought that up because it is about what you're going to prioritize. And if you're going to prioritize the whole healing of everything, that's what you need to do. Don't worry about the weight loss. It will come, right? That'll come next. Exactly. I I see that dog back there and maybe maybe that's a good time. That's like five minutes, right? We have five minutes left. (laughs) There he is. Yes. She actually just came in from, she was on a walk. So we were trying to sneakily bring her in. Awesome. And that's your new pup, right? Lilia? I've had her for about a year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love her so much. (laughs) Okay. So let's wrap things up a little bit. I'm all good for time. No, no, no. So tell us what is next for freshening your fridge? Are you looking to expand? Cause I don't know if there's anything like this in New York, but I want it. Right. And totally. are you looking to expand? I know you're doing a course and instructing things. So you got a lot going on. Share that yeah. with us. Yeah. Um, well, I, I teach at the Institute of Holistic Nutrition. So I've taught there for about five years as well. I taught comparative diets there. And now I teach for, uh, part of professional practice, which is like how to start your practice and, and sort of more the business side of things. Um, and then for freshening your fridge, uh, yeah, I mean, it only, <laughs> it grows as quickly as I do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know you have experience with this from growing innovative medicine and I'm sure all the iterations is taken and all, how long has it been? It's been 15 years now. Yeah. 15 years. Cool. And probably 15 iterations. You know, so. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I started uh, when I was 26 and knew nothing really about business. And now I feel like I have a, a good sense of it, but there's still so much more to learn. Um, so, you know, I'm not looking to like blow it up so quick that it's like, it doesn't kind of keep the core or the roots of everything. Cause right now it's great. Like I, you know, we've got a great team. Everyone, there's enough money. Like it's like all of the things are kind of, it's growing slowly and organically, which I appreciate. Um, I think we have more work to do here in Vancouver to like really tighten up the service and have everyone that needs to know about us, know about us. Um, and then I'd love to expand. I'd love to go to, my original thought was Toronto. I've had a friend who's thought New York as well York. Or, or the Bay area. New York. <laughs> yeah. You got to vote yeah. here for New York. So <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, th- I think it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great idea and there aren't a lot of other people that are doing it. I think that, you know, in every city there are um, holistic nutritionists mm-hmm. or chefs that you can hire to come in and do this type of thing. I'm just trying to 
um, scale it a little bit more than that. So, uh, yeah, that's the goal. And, and when I started freshening your fridge, I was trying to do so many things at once. I was trying to do the coaching and consulting and the meal prep and like catering and, and online courses. And I've kind of really scaled all that back to just doing, we do in-home meal preparation and that's about it. Um, but I would like to open that up again and, 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 you know, maybe do more recipe eBooks and, and, um, meal plans for those who specifically are on therapeutic diets and need more individualized support in that way. So. Well, yeah, I, I look forward to all of that, and I'm, I understand everything happens at, at the right time, right? And you got to totally. be patient with that too. Just like with yeah. healing, you have to be patient with a business and life. You have to be patient with these things and don't push it. It sounds like you're doing an amazing job there, and Thank and you. I wish you Thanks. all the best with with the growth and everything else. So, where can people learn mm-hmm. more about you, Fresh in Your Fridge? Where you want to direct them? Yeah, um, com is a great we got our website redone last year and I'm very proud of it. Um, if you want to check us out on Instagram, we're at fresh in your fridge and, uh, my personal account, we can link to it, but it's at Erica Weisenborn. Um, I won't try to spell my last name for you. We'll we'll spell it out for you and we'll send this out. We'll put all your links on. So definitely check out the website, innovative. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a selfie while we're on here so I can post it on Instagram. Oh, look at you. Social savvy. I love it. Cross-promoting. Yeah. We haven't even... Totally. Got to promote innovative medicine as well. Thank you. And we'll do the same. Don't worry. Awesome. But thank awesome. you so much, Erica, for all of this. It was really insightful. And for everyone listening, go to Freshen Your Fridge, uh, learn more about it, and learn more about food and you know, tighten up that relationship with food. It's not a negative thing. You don't have to think poorly about it. It's, it's the thing that nourishes you. And that's the thing you really want to focus on to prioritize. And I think Erica gave us tons of tips today. So thank you again, Erica. Quality, quality, quality. That's, that's, that's the, the name of the game. Yeah, totally. Thank awesome. you so much, Casper. It was, yeah, it was wonderful to talk to you. Wonderful My to pleasure. You over Zoom, maybe in person one day. <laughs> one day for sure. You're always invited to the center. And if I make it out awesome. to the most beautiful part, I think of, of all of Canada and maybe the world, I'll maybe definitely. the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again. I'm really glad Erica ended on that note because it's something in innovative medicine we've been hitting on for years. Quality determines results. Erica's been kind enough to provide us with five simple and healing recipes from Fresh in Your Fridge that we posted on the website, so be sure to check that out at innovativemedicine.com. Until next time, continue healing and writing your own story.